You're now listening to the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here, we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the TaxSmart REI Podcast. In this episode, Brandon breaks down the differences between the tax treatment of real estate investors and real estate dealers, and how knowing these key factors can help you avoid the costly dealer status. This episode is actually from our TaxSmart Investors YouTube channel, and we have big plans for YouTube next year. So you're going to want to make sure you subscribe if you haven't already by heading to YouTube and simply searching for TaxSmart Investors and hitting the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future videos. The link is also going to be in in the show notes. And with that being said, we're going to jump right into today's episode. Now, today's topic is all about real estate dealer versus investor. And we talked about this on episode 25 of the TaxSmart Daily a few weeks ago, but I want to dive a little bit more into it because we've been having conversations in our TaxSmart Facebook group about real estate investor versus real estate dealer. Now, the difference between investor versus dealer is big and can be very costly. A real estate investor enjoys capital gain treatment on the sale of their assets, on the sale of their rental real estate. But a real estate dealer has to pay ordinary income tax rates and FICA tax rates, self-employment tax rates on the sale of their inventory, uh, not real estate capital assets. So how how does that boil down well let's say we've got a hundred thousand dollar gain on the sale of a real estate holding that hundred thousand dollar gain if i'm a real estate investor costs me twenty thousand dollars in taxes from a real estate dealer thirty seven thousand dollars in ordinary income tax plus fifteen thousand three hundred dollars in self-employment taxes so very expensive to be a real estate dealer almost 2x 3x the amount of the tax if you're a real estate dealer compared to real estate investor. Now, how do we determine if you're a real estate dealer or investor? Well, it's determined on a property by property basis, even though we take into account the overall facts and circumstances of what you have going on. To determine whether a real estate dealer can claim capital gain treatment for the sale of real estate, it has to be determined whether at the time of sale, the property was held primarily for sale to customers. Now, primarily means first importance or principally. Ordinary income will result if the following three requirements are met. So that means if you meet the following three requirements, you are a real estate dealer, not investor, and the property will be subject to ordinary gain, or ordinary income tax plus FICA tax, that 15.3% tax. So these are the following three factors. The taxpayer is engaged in a trade or business. That's number one. Number two, the taxpayer is holding the property primarily for sale in that trader business that's number two and number three the sale of the property is ordinary for that business now in episode 25 of the tax Mart daily we talked about number two the taxpayer is holding the property primarily for sale in that business there are nine factors that determine whether or not uh the the property was primarily held out for sale but what i want to talk about is one of the factors factor number four the frequency number and continuity of the sales because i think that that's where a lot of people get tripped up that's the that's the one factor there's two factors actually 
that the courts weigh more heavily than any other factor. It's factor number four and factor number five. I just said factor number four was the frequency, number, and continuity of sales. Factor number five is the extent and substantiality of the disposition of the property. So we wanna talk about factor number four because it's very heavily weighted by the tax court. What does frequent, continuous, and substantial mean? Well, it's difficult to determine because our prior case law is kind of all over the place. We have had tax court rulings in the past rule that one sale a, a year will meet that definition of frequent, continuous, and substantial. However, in the context of that case, there were multiple sales, an average of seven over multiple years. So in one year, they sold one. In another year, they might have sold eight. And the issue was, was that one that they sold in one year was that frequent, continuous, and substantial, and the tax court said yes. So what this really means is that even if you only sell one property a year, if you're doing it year in, year out, you're probably going to meet that factor of frequent, continuous, and substantial. And that's going to reflect poorly on you under any sort of IRS audit if you claim that that was a capital gain treatment rather than ordinary income and FICA taxes. Now, it is possible that you are, uh, maybe you're, you're earning a lot of income as a W-2 earner or a business owner, or maybe you're a physician or an attorney or whatever, you're earning lots of income and you just randomly do a flip. Well, there is some potential that that one flip, if that's all you do, that that one flip could be viewed as like short-term capital gain treatment versus being subject to ordinary income taxes plus FICA taxes because the argument would be that you're not really in the trader business of flipping, you just had one opportunity that you, that you tackled and you went with. But if you do that a second time or a third time, even if it's over a number of years, that could put at risk all prior transactions too in the overall scope of your facts and circumstances. If everything's taken into account and they see the frequency, the number, and the continuity of sales is there, then they're going to challenge you on that dealer status every single day of the week. So if you're just doing one off, you might be okay. But if you've got multiple, even if it's over, even if it's one a year for multiple years, you are going to be at risk of being tagged as a dealer. And those properties are going to be at risk of having to pay ordinary tax and that 15.3% FICA tax on the gain coming from the sale of those properties. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.